here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and uh, there is no co-host for this episode. This is a solo episode. I know it's it's been a while, it's been a while since I've done a solo episode. Uh, but I figured, given the smaller size of today's topic, I think it just makes sense to do this as a solo venture. So, what is today's topic? Well, this is episode 36, and this is going to be a unique episode, that's for sure. Because usually on the show, each episode has around 8-10 to 10 songs on the docket. Some have had more, some fewer. But typically on the show, it's in that range. But on this episode, we'll be talking about just one song. Just one. And it's a song that is associated with just one wrestler. The wrestler is Minoru Suzuki. And the song is Kaze Ninare by Ayumi Nakamura. When you think of Minoru Suzuki, what's the first thing that comes to mind? For some, it's his matches. For others, it's his personality. For other others, it's his 
predilection for beating the New Japan Young Lions at ringside, which he loves to do so much. The first thing that comes to my mind when I think of Suzuki is his entrance music, Kaze Ninare. Now, that wasn't always the case, because it used to be his hair. The first time I ever saw Suzuki, my eyes immediately focused on his hair, with the designs shaved in and the tuft of hair that puffs out at the back of his head, like he's some sort of Komodo dragon in human form. It wasn't until I became a regular New Japan follower in 2014 or so, and I started watching Suzuki matches more often, and I started focusing less on his hair and more on his matches, his personality, and most of all, his music. So I hear the name Minoru Suzuki, and I instantly think of Kaze Ninare. I think of the wind at the start of the song. I think of the epic combination of the piano and electric guitar. I think of Ayumi Nakamura and her unmistakable vocals. And of course, I think of Suzuki making his entrance for a match, the audience clapping along to the song. And as he steps onto the ring apron, the music swells and swells into the chorus. And as we reach the climax, Suzuki steps through the ropes and the crowd sings out at the top of their lungs. It's such an awesome moment every time it happens. And it's just an awesome song in general. Even outside the context of Minoru Suzuki or pro wrestling, the song just kicks ass in its own right. I love it. Chances are you love it. Truthfully, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who doesn't enjoy Kaze Ninare on some level, which I think is a credit to Ayumi Nakamura and to the musicians who worked on the song and to Suzuki for keeping this song for so many years. So this episode will be all about Kaze Ninare. And the reason this episode is happening now is because on June 23rd, which by the time this comes out will be a few days ago already, it will be the 30th anniversary of Minoru Suzuki's debut match in pro wrestling. June 23rd, 1988 was his first wrestling match. And a fun fact about that match is that it was against a guy named Takayuki Iizuka, who would later go on to be known as Takashi Iizuka, who is now currently a member of Suzuki's stable, Suzuki-gun. How about that? So, 30 years for Minoru Suzuki, a tremendous accomplishment, although it should be noted that not all 30 of those years was spent in wrestling, because Suzuki was a pro wrestler from 88 to about 93. Then, in 93, he left wrestling to form his own promotion, Pancrase, alongside another wrestler, Masakatsu Funaki. Pancrase, a mixed martial arts company, focused on shoot fighting and hybrid wrestling, which is, of course, Suzuki and Funaki's style. And Suzuki was in Pancrase for a decade, 93 to 03. And then he re-entered the world of wrestling afterwards. And he's been back here ever since, appearing in many promotions like New Japan, All Japan, NOAA, DDT, Dragon Gate, Osaka Pro, Kaintai Dojo, Ring of Honor, Rev Pro, Defiant, many, many more. He's won the Triple Crown Championship, the GHC Heavyweight Championship, the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, the Never Openweight Championship. He won the 2009 and 2010 Champion Carnival, the 2011 G1 Tag League, the 2016 Global League, and he's also held a variety of tag belts over the years, including the undisputed British Tag Team Championship, which he currently holds with Zack Sabre Jr. So quite a number of accolades for the guy. And not only is he celebrating 30 years of professional fighting, Suzuki is also celebrating his 50th birthday, which, hey, to be 50 years old and to be in that great a shape, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I'm jealous of the guy, and I'm half his age. But that's beside the point. 30 years in pro fighting, in some form or another, he just turned the big 5-0. I figure, you know, what better way to celebrate all of that and to show my appreciation 
for Minoru Suzuki and all that he's done in his career than to discuss his legendary entrance music. So, let's do just that. Now, technically speaking, I will be discussing three songs because Suzuki has actually used three different versions of Kaze Ninare over the course of his career. The version that he comes out to now is not the only version of the song. There have been previous versions, but essentially it's the same song. It has the same lyrics, the same structure, most of the same types of instruments, the same gust of wind motif at the beginning. Sure, there might be differences in terms of how the song sounds, but at the core of it all, it's the same song. Alright, where do we start with Kaze Ninare? Well, I want to start with Ayumi Nakamura and talk a little bit about her, because I don't know if people outside of Japan really know that much about her. I know I didn't. So I did a little research here and found out a bit about Ayumi's backstory. I'll give a shout out to a blog called Kayo Kyoku Plus, which is about Japanese music from the 70s and the 80s. Ayumi Nakamura was born in Osaka, Japan in 1966, and initially she did not want to sing professionally. After she graduated high school, she worked as an office worker and then as a road construction worker during the day. Then at night, she would go to the local discotheque and sing some songs. She got a few offers from talent agencies, but she turned them all down. She never considered singing professionally. One night, she was sitting at home, and a burglar broke into her house. So she fled her house and went to a friend's bar for safety. And it's there that she met a man named Ken Takahashi. Who is Ken Takahashi? He is a Japanese singer, songwriter, and music producer. And he and Ayumi started talking, and soon enough, Ayumi decided to become a singer. And the kicker is, and when I read this, I was stunned. Up until she met Takahashi, Ayumi did not really listen to music, nor did she have any records at all, which is odd to think about. This is a woman who has made a career out of singing, and she didn't listen to music or own any records before she was, like, 18. Very strange. But anyway, Ayumi signed with a label called Hummingbird, and in September 1984, she released her debut single called Midnight Kids. A few months later, she released a second single called Boku no Snobism, whatever that means. And then in April 1985, she released her third single called Subasa no Oreta Angel, or Angel with Broken Wings. her breakout hit, and her biggest hit. It sold 400,000 copies. And from then on, she has had a steady career in Japan with many albums and singles and adoring fans. One of those adoring fans being Minoru Suzuki. He is a lifelong fan of Ayumi Nakamura. Not just a fan, actually. He's also a longtime friend of hers. Him and Ayumi have been friends for quite a while now. Take Kaze Ninare, for example. Ayumi didn't just make that song. She made it for Suzuki. It's not like he just picked a random song off one of her albums. 
he requested to her if she could write a song for him. And she did. And as a teenager, when Suzuki was listening to Ayumi, he decided that should he ever become a wrestler, he wanted her to write a song for him to use as his entrance theme. And it happened. That's amazing. A literal dream come true for the guy. And I think that fact gives the song a personal touch that most themes don't have. And it really serves as a testament to their friendship that Ayumi would not only write and perform this song for Suzuki, she would also sing it live during his entrance on a couple of occasions, the most famous being Wrestle Kingdom 7 for Suzuki's match against Yuji Nagata. She is there in full regalia with the band, singing this song to a massive crowd at the Tokyo Dome. Suzuki comes out, gives her a nice big fist bump, and then he walks down the ramp while she serenades him. How cool of a moment is that if you're Minoru Suzuki? Can you think of anything else like that in wrestling? The only one that comes to my mind right away is Triple H having Motorhead do his themes and perform them live at Mania. Because Triple H is such a massive Motorhead fan and was also really good friends with Lemmy before he passed away. That's the only other instance of that kind of relationship that I can think of off the top of my head. So Kaze Ninare, it's a symbol of the close friendship between Ayumi Nakamura and Minoru Suzuki. It debuted and was released as a single in 1995. So let's take a listen to the first generation of Kaze Ninare. really sets the tone for the two versions that follow, not in terms of the specific sound of the song, but in terms of structure and emotional beats. You'll notice as we go along that there really isn't that much of a variance when it comes to those two things. We start off with a recurring motif throughout the song's history, and that is the sound of the wind. We fade up, and there is this howling wind that sets the stage. Kaze Ninare translates to become the wind. So there you go. And it's not like the wind in Sonata's theme. That's more of a wintry, ice-cold blizzard wind. This is more like the wind you feel on a dark, gray, cloudy day. And you can just tell by the force of the wind and the color of the clouds in the sky that there is a powerful storm coming. It's not here yet, but it's coming. It's very ominous. 
and it's very appropriate for Suzuki. When that wind starts to howl, and he makes his entrance, you know that shit is about to go down. And when does this storm arrive? When the music kicks in. The drums, the guitar, the arpeggio organ. It's like thunder and lightning and rain just came crashing down on you. And then Ayumi sings the opening lines of the song. And her voice is emotional. It's heartrending. But it's also powerful and enduring. As if she understands that this storm has arrived. And while it, it may be tough to face, she will be strong and face it with courage and strength. And the same is true for Suzuki. We've seen him have these outright just wars and slugfests with guys like Goto and Makabe. I'm sure he knows deep down that those matches will be hard and hard-hitting, but on the outside, he exhibits total bravery. And that strength continues as we get into the meat of the song. There's a real energy here with everything, the guitars, the percussion, the keyboards, and of course with Ayumi herself. She is right there with the music, singing these lyrics, not being overshadowed at all. She doesn't waver, she gives it everything. And I think that consistent energy, that consistent power in both voice and music is what gets people so invested in the song. You have this powerful, charged rock anthem being sung by this bold female singer, and you can't help but get sucked in by the emotion and the passion. It's like you're rushing headlong into the storm itself alongside Suzuki. So when we reach the build-up to the chorus, and we start to feel the music swell, and Ayumi Nakamura, her voice just intensifies in power, we're right there with her. We're hooked. We're invested. And then, of course, we get to those words, those three magical words, Kaze ni nare, which there is a sort of irony there, I think. Because it builds and builds and builds, and you hear Ayumi sing, Kagayaki no nakade. It's like, here comes the big moment. And then the music behind her stops, and all you hear is her singing, Kaze ni nare, with no music behind her. And then the music kicks back in, and we get the second verse and chorus, but for those three words, she is alone. She has risen above the storm, in a sense. But at the same time, she's not alone. Because we're so invested in the song that we sing those words with her. Every time Suzuki makes his entrance, we sing Kaze ni nare. We are with her. And consequently, we are with Suzuki. I have to be a lonely warrior tonight. In the context of the story of the song, and in the context of Minoru Suzuki's own mindset, perhaps, that line is all well and good. But in the context of a fan listening to this song and watching Suzuki's entrance and singing along to it, it's not necessarily true. You're not alone, Ayumi. And you're not alone, Suzuki. We also get some flashy guitar solos, the second of which comes in after the final lyrics and takes the song to the end, where it fades out. And that guitar solo, Into the Fade Out, says something to me. First, it says that it being a crazy guitar solo, this storm will not ease up anytime soon. The fighting will not go easy on Suzuki. And it also says that Suzuki will keep fighting, no matter what. Because when a song ends with a hard stop, that's it. It's the end of the song. But when it fades out, that's not an end. The music is continuing. You're just lowering the volume. So Kaze Ninare having a fade-out ending symbolizes that Suzuki is continuing the fight, continuing his journey through the storm. The storm may be raging, but he's not giving up. Perhaps the fact that the volume gets lower and lower could also symbolize that we are also losing Minoru Suzuki to the storm. He is being consumed by the idea of being the warrior and engaging in battle 
that soon we will no longer be able to be by his side at all. This song is from when he was still in Pancras, but perhaps it's foreshadowing his eventual descent into wrestling heeldom. Just a thought. That was Kaze Ninare First Generation. Suzuki had that for about nine years or so, and in 2004, about a year after Suzuki returned to pro wrestling, Ayumi re-recorded the song, and Suzuki began using this new version as his theme. It's the second generation of Kaze Ninare, and it's coming up right now. here with this 2004 version of the song is the sound of the wind has changed. The first wind was very loud and powerful all throughout. This one starts low and then as it goes onward it gets louder until it reaches this fever pitch and the music kicks in. Kind of a way of saying that the storm Suzuki faced in the 90s, Pancrase, is over. That violent storm has died down. But then, along comes pro wrestling. And now, Suzuki is ready to take on a whole new storm. He's getting back into the fight. And the wind rises once again. The other thing you'll notice is that the main keyboard sound has changed. It's no longer the organ from the first one. It's now a piano. Which makes sense because the organ sound was very much of the time period. It had a very 90s Japanese wrestling music sound to it. The piano is a lot more universal and can fit into any era of music. Plus, combined with the hard rock and the vocals, this is one kick-ass piano. The most noticeable thing about this song is obviously the percussion. There's definitely more emphasis on the percussion in this song. It's a lot louder in the mix. The guitars are kind of de-emphasized throughout the song, mostly, and the sound of the percussion is much different than the previous versions. The drumming is very poppy, and I don't mean in terms of music genre. I mean it literally pops in your ear. Reminds me a lot of the drumming from Saint Anger, which we talked about on the Metallica episode. For that album, Lars Ulrich turned the snares on his snare drum off, which gave it more of a ring. And I think possibly, possibly, the same thing could be going on here. I'm not sure. I'm not that kind of music expert, admittedly. 
The drumming does have less polish on it, and it's a bit grimier, a bit more metallic, if you'll uh, pardon the pun. I don't know, maybe Ayumi or someone involved just really loved Saint Anger and wanted to emulate that sound. Likely not, but hey, it's possible. Stranger things have happened. But besides that, it's pretty much the same song as the original. Same lyrics, same structure, same crazy guitar solo ending into the fade out. I think the background vocals are a tad louder, and the guitar solos themselves are composed differently. Ayumi's voice is still amazing, though. It's a bit deeper than the original version, because after all, it is nine years later, and she's now nine years older, but she still just sounds fantastic. And, you know, it's weird hearing this second version of Kaze Ninare. Even after listening to it multiple times for this episode, it's still strange. Um, funny story, I remember WrestleMania weekend a few months back. I was watching Matt Riddle's Bloodsport because I was going to do a review for it uh, for Voices of Wrestling. And the main event of the show is Matt Riddle versus Minoru Suzuki. Suzuki comes out to Kaze Ninare, of course he does, and I remember listening to it and thinking, something's not right here. Maybe it's the acoustics of the venue, but this doesn't sound exactly like Kaze Ninare, even though it is Kaze Ninare. And then those drums hit. And I was like, holy shit, this must be the 2004 version of the song. Because I knew that there were previous versions of Kaze Ninare, I just hadn't heard them yet at the time. So I, I go online, and I find the 2004 version of the song, and I play it, and sure enough, it's this song. So for one night only, it seems, Minoru Suzuki used this 2004 version again. Which, you could see it as making sense in the context of Bloodsport, because it's not a regular wrestling event. It's kumite. It's knockout, tap-out rules with no ropes. So, let's use a version of Kaze Ninare that also isn't the norm. That's what you want to think, anyway. My theory is that GCW went on YouTube and picked the wrong version of the song. That's likely what happened, to be honest. And shit, if you're going to pick a different version of Kaze Ninare to use for Bloodsport, why not go for the 95 version? Because that was the one that Suzuki had in Pancrase. He only started using the 2004 version after he went back to wrestling and fought guys like, I don't know, Blue Wolf and Too Cold Scorpio and Teo Kia. Not very kumite, if we're being honest here. But I digress. The third and current version of Kaze Ninare is the one that Suzuki is using now, as of this recording. And I say that because Suzuki is holding a two-day 30th anniversary bash with wrestling and talk shows and music, and Ayumi Nakamura will be there performing a new version of Kaze Ninare. I don't know if that will become Suzuki's new theme permanently, or if this is just for the event. That remains to be seen. But this version came out in 2013, and it is the third generation of Kaze Ninare.
Suzuki debuted this song in 2013. He was 44 years old, which in wrestling, look, I, I, I don't want to call Minoru Suzuki old because he might find me and hurt me if I do. He's experienced. Let's go with that. He's been wrestling and fighting in some form or another at that point for about 25 years. And as he's continued to use this song to the present day, he's only gotten more. Um, experienced, shall we say. And so, you might expect at this stage of Suzuki's career, at his age, that he has nothing left to prove. He's had a long and fruitful career. He doesn't have to wrestle a hard-hitting style anymore. He can just put his feet up and take it easy. But Minoru Suzuki is not that man. Even at 50... He's still going out there and wrestling with no quarter. He defies the expectations of his age. Same with this version of Kaze Ninare. It starts out with the faintest wind we've had so far. Not too faint, but you can tell a lot of the strength is gone from this wind. If you could draw this wind, it would have a bushy gray beard and sciatica. And maybe before the music kicks in, you might expect something a little lighter in tone, not as bombastic as the previous versions. But Kaze Ninare is not that song. Kaze Ninare is a powerhouse. And when that music hits, and the piano and guitar and drums kick in, it hits you full force. No holding back, no quarter. The storm remains the same. And Ayumi, yes, she's another nine years older, but goddamn, she still has the pipes. She can still sing her lungs out. The guitar, the piano, it's all still there. The drums are back to normal. Sound-wise, it's the most traditional-sounding hard rock version of the song. No real gimmicks except for the wind. I will bring your attention, though, to one thing about the song that is so noticeable. But you don't notice it until the very end. Because it is the end. This song ends. It doesn't have the fade out like the previous versions do, nor does it have the crazy ending guitar solo either. We hear I Have to Be a Lonely Warrior Tonight one final time, and then it plays the recurring melody that appears earlier in the song. But a bum, 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 bum. And then it does one last burst of guitar and drums. And then one last little guitar riff at the very end. Bada bum bum bum. What does this mean? Well, realistically speaking, Suzuki is on the back nine of his career. Doesn't matter how great a shape he's in or how hard he can still go. As Joe Lanza likes to say, everyone eventually loses to the hourglass. Time is undefeated. And eventually, the storm will end, and Minoru Suzuki will take his final bow 
as a wrestler. I don't know when exactly. Could be soon, could be years from now. But eventually, he will stop. So perhaps this version of Kaze Ninare, which has a definitive exclamation point ending, is hinting at that. Actually, I will point out one other noticeable thing about this version of Kaze Ninare. Ever notice how a certain guitar riff in the song is eerily similar to Eye of the Tiger? Again, just a thought. Those are the three versions of Kaze Ninare that Suzuki has used throughout his career. Which brings me to the final section of this episode, the lyrics. I want to thank the good people at thelionmarks.com for translating Kaze Ninare into English. So, here are the lyrics to this wonderful song. Tell me why people keep seeking for tomorrow's dream, which is almost impossible to reach. Lonely night, only stars are looking at me. I kissed you, to be sure. When can I make my dream, which I have been chasing, come true? But nobody knows it. I cannot deny my will. Oh, in the storm, into the storm, like a bird about to flutter its wings, in the light... Kazeni Nare, become the wind. How many miles do I have to walk to reach the goal? I have devoted everything to fighting, but always I want to feel alive. Don't want to make tomorrow clouded with tears. I don't want an answer, because I have the dream in my heart. Oh, in the storm, into the storm, like a bird about to flutter its wings, in the light, kakete yuke, fly high. I have to be a lonely warrior tonight. I have to be a lonely warrior tonight. Through many hard days, withholding my aspiration, I have to be a lonely warrior tonight. It's a story that so many of us can relate to. We all have dreams that we think are impossible to reach. We embark on our own journeys to try to achieve these dreams, these goals. We devote so much to try to make them come true. And we endure so much. We all endure our own storms. And on our way, we may feel lonely, like nobody else understands the struggle that we're going through, even though we're all struggling in our own way. But we don't give up. We keep going. Because we all have that dream in our hearts, and we cannot deny our will. So we will not fear the wind. We will not run away from the wind. We will not hate the wind. We will become the wind. And we will achieve our dreams. Just beautiful. And it falls in line with the atmosphere that the song creates, with the big, bombastic, stormy, hard rock stuff. So with those lyrics and that music, a question that I come to now is this. Does it fit Minoru Suzuki? Because the song is, in my mind, a very babyface song. It's about following your dreams and rising above the problems in your way, and it's extremely catchy and bombastic and over-the-top at times, and it just sends this thrill of adrenaline and excitement down your spine when you hear it. And Minoru Suzuki? Well, he's a heel. He's a hard-ass. He's a fighter. And a heel, hard-ass fighter having this spirited, over-the-top, sensational song as his entrance theme, well, that doesn't make sense on paper. But it does. It makes perfect sense, because you have to know who Minoru Suzuki is. Yes, he's a heel. Yes, he's a hard-ass. Yes, he's a fighter. 
but at the same time, Minoru Suzuki has a flair for the dramatic. He screams. He sticks his tongue out. He maniacally laughs. If somebody hits him with a chop or an elbow, Suzuki will give a look like, Okay then. That was cute. Watch this. Bam! If Toru Yano tries to pull some chicanery on him, Suzuki will contort his face into the most disgusted scowl imaginable. He'll cut a promo about wanting to send his opponent through the ring, or he'll tell the audience he hopes they get run over by a car. This man isn't just a fighter. He's a pro wrestler. He's theatrical. He loves the bombast and the -the over-the-topness. Go watch the clip of him in DDT, riding the bicycle down the ramp at Sumo Hall and smashing into Michael Nagazawa. Or look up the time he wrestled the fucking Mecha Mummy and gave him a gotch pile driver in a pond, which caused the Mecha Mummy to explode. That's not what an ultra-serious fighter man does. Look at his life outside of wrestling. He's not some stiff in real life either. He loves anime. He loves One Piece. He was in One Piece, for God's sake. You know those crazy spirals that are in his hair? That's not random. That's the same design as the devil fruit from One Piece. His 30th anniversary celebration is called the Great Pirates Festival. Is that a One Piece reference? You're fucking right it is. Go to his Instagram. Most of his photos on there are pictures of his socks. And not plain black or white socks either. These are some colorful socks, people. Dare I say flamboyant, even. Some of these socks are. He loves to fish. He loves cool designs in his coffee. He smiles for photos. That alone should tell you all you need to know. So Minoru Suzuki having a theatrical theme song not only makes total sense, I can't imagine him having any other type of song. And as far as the whole uplifting, rah-rah, babyface thing goes, I'll just say this. We are all the heroes of our own story. We don't think of ourselves as bad guys or villains, unless you have a very low sense of self-esteem, but... Generally, we think of ourselves as the good guys. We're the baby faces. Minoru Suzuki doesn't listen to Kaze Ninare and think, Ah, oh, jeez, I'm a heel. I can't have this song. He probably thinks that this song defines his life and embodies his spirit and mindset as a fighter. Because it does. When this song was first made in 95... Suzuki wasn't the heel pro wrestler that we know today. He was still the Pancrase fighter. He was still just a guy trying to tap out other guys like Jason DeLucia or Guy Mesker. Did I look those names up? Yes, I did. But my point still stands. This song was meant to inspire Minoru Suzuki and tell his story as a fighter. And now in 2018... When Suzuki is this ruthless, dastardly, maniacal villain in New Japan? Well, even villains need inspiration from time to time. And that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Minoru Suzuki, a legendary wrestler with a legendary theme song, as evidenced by this entire episode devoted to it. So, as always... Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the show. Solo episodes can be difficult to tackle because you don't have anyone else to bounce off of. But me personally, I think that this episode does Minoru Suzuki, Ayumi Nakamura, and Kaizen Inare proud. And hopefully, so do you. (laughs) Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network home to a wide variety of tremendous wrestling podcasts like the VOW Flagship, Shake Them Ropes, Wrestling Omakaze, 
Everything Evolves, Russellnomics, Five Star Match Game, The Recently Returned, Lucha of the Hidden Temple, and so many more. Check them all out at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at MusicOfTheMat. Follow me on Twitter at AndrewTRich. My latest article, 60 Perfect Seconds, the beautiful ending of Okada Omega 4, is now up at VoicesOfWrestling.com. You can find a link to it on my Twitter page. It's pinned right at the top. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forum. That's where you'll find the YouTube playlist for this episode and all past episodes. And if you would be so kind as to give this show a five-star rating and review on iTunes, that would be very much appreciated. It would warm the cold, dead cockles of my heart. Of course, this show is also available on Google Play and Spotify and whichever podcast app you so choose. So, I'm Andrew Rich. I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Suzuki-san, my good man, I'll let you do the honors. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.